Welcome to the NeverEnding Glory Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Grilly. I'm joined tonight with my buddy Steve, Steve Arino Butler. Uh, I don't know what episode number we're on. I'm done counting those episodes. Sorry, Jerry. Um, we've got a lot of different franchises here at the NeverEnding Glory Podcast. Now that we have not only fantasy football talk, but NFL talk. And then, of course, the pen and paper with Monday Night Money, who is $6,000 richer after the Cleveland Browns took Baker Mayfield number one overall. But, Steve, other than Baker Mayfield going one, uh, Saquon Barkley going two, we saw a lot of different players go, some expected, some unexpected. Um, But, of course, as we get into the dynasty football season, uh, a lot of players are moving, so we have a lot to talk about tonight. Am I right? Absolutely. A lot of winners and losers from the draft. Most notable losers are my entire fantasy team. So, (laughs) What else is new? (laughs) Um, so yeah, uh, if you guys follow the new uh, the new website, the brand new beautiful website, negpodcast.com, you saw on our blog, uh, not only have I been posting uh, plenty of content uh, based on the Patriots draft, also the Martavis Bryant trade, uh, he got traded to Oakland for a third round pick, which you know we can talk about that later, Steve. Um, and then of course, uh, the rookie rankings, uh, my initial rookie rankings after the first three rounds of the draft, uh, which we're gonna we're gonna focus on tonight. And of course, Sean has been churning out Browns talk, uh, the Monday Night Money Man. He'll be posting something here soon. Uh, we'll get some Browns recap from Rue as well. So uh, that content's going to continue. Uh, we're looking forward to you know the draft season, um, fantasy draft season that is, and breaking down uh, where some of these players are going, uh, value wise here in you know not only redraft but also dynasty football. So. Uh, Real quick, uh, Steve, I posted an article today about the Pats draft, breaking it down. I'm really happy with the fact they brought in a guard Isaiah Wynn in the first round, Sony Michelle, uh, the running back out of Georgia at the back end of the first round. Then they also traded for uh, a, a huge lineman uh, from San Francisco, Trent Brown, gave up a third-round pick for him. So after that, picked up cornerback. Um, and then the, the biggest move, which will definitely move the needle a lot, is uh, Braxton Berrios from Miami. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he is pretty much Danny Amendola, Julian Edelman 2.0. So uh, if you have a third-round pick in your dynasty league, in your draft, fourth-round pick, I suggest taking him at the back end of that draft. But um, what did you think about the Bills and what they did real quick before we start talking fantasy? Uh, Well, I wrote an article on this uh, recently, and the answer is I really don't know what to think. but um, And there's reasons for that. So obviously uh, they were able to achieve – kind of what they were trying to achieve, which is I need to get a franchise quarterback of the future, but I want to keep my two first-round picks. And they did that, and most people would have thought they couldn't pull that off. So I think in that respect, they think they won, and they basically went home with two of the top ten players, uh, depending on your valuation. But uh, most mock drafts, most scout scouts had both of the guys they got um, ranked pretty high. We'll call them top 15 players. So they, they walked mm-hmm. out of there with both of them. So you can call that a win, but in my opinion, uh, I'm not calling it a win because they have too many holes and they had so many picks that they could have done something with. Uh, and now they have two players. That's great. One won't play this year. The other one will. And they have a bunch of unfilled holes. So yeah. particularly on the offensive line, they've lost, what, two or three starters on the offensive line. And they didn't replace yep. any of them. They uh, traded one. Richie Incognito retired. Um, which so, his yeah. <laughs> Twitter his Twitter follow is just off the charts. I don't know if <laughs> I'm been, sure it is. If you've been following him. but uh, So, yeah, they lost 
three offensive li- three starting offensive linemen replaced basically none of them um, and gave up all their picks to, to go get those players. So uh, they both better be annual Pro Bowlers to say the least. Okay. You know, or else <laughs> so it was if, if if you fall in the Zustin Bros here uh, and, and Burris, you know that we are not a Josh Allen uh, yeah. podcast other than you. So um, I'm hoping, I, you know, I'm not hoping that the luck changes because I hate the Bills uh, as a Patriots fan. So um, <laughs> I'm sure we'll have plenty of back and forth uh, regarding Josh Allen and his struggles or Asia McCarron or whoever's playing quarterback by the end of the year. But uh, let's get right into our rookie conversation. Uh, so like I mentioned, I put together uh, – uh, a quick, not mock draft, but a rookie ranking based, you know, quick thoughts right after the draft, right after the third round. Uh, published that on Saturday morning. And, of course, at the top is Saquon Barkley to the Giants. He went number two overall. Uh, I'm still not sold on him. I would not be shocked if he was Felix Jones 2.0. But he seems like he's going to be the consensus number one pick off the board in rookie drafts. But you know what's going to happen, though, Steve? is Jonathan Stewart is going to piss off so many people when he comes in on, you know, second and one from the goal and punches in a touchdown, gets two or three cheap touchdowns every other week. Uh, you know, is, is Jonathan Stewart – I know we talked about him on a, a few pods ago, but is Jonathan Stewart – any chance he takes somewhat of a role away from Saquon Barkley next year? Maybe a little, but not enough Not enough for it to matter. So if he, if he siphons a few touchdowns, uh, that's more than made up for – in my opinion, on how Barkley will be targeted in the pass game, how many touches he'll get, uh, especially if you're PPR. Um, he's going to get so much usage, I think, that the vulturing of touchdowns probably won't matter. And it kind of makes me think of, again, as I'm a Shady owner, uh, the Gillisley effect from two years ago. Uh, Shady was still <laughs> a great player, but every time they got inside the, the two, it was time to bring in Gillisley, and I would just be like, fuck. <laughs> God damn it, it's all fucked up. <laughs> yeah, and no, I, I definitely that's that's kind of what I'm concerned about with Stewart because we saw that with McCaffrey last year. McCaffrey would blow up in Carolina, and then here comes Jonathan Stewart to come in for 15 carries and get 45 total yards and a touchdown just to piss you off. Yeah. Uh, but the other thing too I like about the Giants in the second round they picked up that guard Will Hernandez. Yes. So uh, the line struggled last year in New York, but it looks like they're definitely working on that uh, through the draft. Um, and, you know, Kyle Lalletta, the quarterback out of Richmond, everybody's saying he's the next guy to take over after Eli Manning, but I'm not really too sure about that. Um, but after Saquon, I mean, who's your number two uh, rookie this year and in the future? Well, the number two spot, in my opinion, is a bad spot to be in uh, because there's so many guys that it could be. So it's probably uh, it's probably Darius, uh, who's in Washington now. Um, yep. but, but he's such a risk, you know, so he's probably the most talented and he's got a good situation, but there's all these red flags out there, but I would probably still look at him as number two, but I wouldn't feel good about it. Yeah. Uh, I'd be moving guys, out of the two spot. See, that's what I've heard. You know, I've heard that, I've heard that after one, you move down, but I disagree. I think you move down after four and we'll talk about that in a second. I like guys as my number two. However, I think you can definitely make a argument for Ronald Jones, the running back out of Tampa Bay. He got drafted in the third round, USC guy. Uh, he has some durability concerns, and Tampa's probably going to rely on him for 15 to 20 touches a game, so that's probably his biggest red flag. However, with only Charles Sims, Jaquiz Rogers, Peyton Barber on the roster, 
I see no reason why Ronald Jones isn't the starter from day one and could, you know, potentially mimic what Doug Martin did his rookie year and just be a three three down back. Charles Sims really hasn't shown to be much more than a bit piece. He can't stay healthy. Jaquiz Rogers was cute for a little bit, getting like 40 carries and getting 90 yards that one year. Um, so, and Peyton Barber sucks. So, um, I like Ronald Jones to potentially potentially be a, a number one option, maybe a you know, high-end RB2, uh, finished maybe eventually within the top 12 this year, but I, I, I'm not going to go that far yet. But you know the guy that I'm most excited about, and that's Sony Michelle. Oh, my goodness. I... Since when has anybody that. been excited about a, a Bill Belichick running back? Exactly. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. I mean, the, the last time Bill Belichick drafted a running back was Lawrence Maroney back in 2006. Um, that didn't work out very well. But, you know, this time, first-round pick, 31st overall, I was sitting at the bar with Farkey watching the draft, and I fully expected Lamar Jackson. I, I didn't agree with it but I was kind of talking myself into it as being, you know, oh, this will be kind of cool to see Lamar Jackson in New England. And then all of a sudden I see Sony Michelle, and I was like, whoa. So personally, I think Michelle has a little bit of LaShawn McCoy in him. And, you know, he really broke out last year for Georgia. Him and Nick Chubb were the 1A, 1B. You know, he, he averaged almost eight yards a carry, um, had 16 touchdowns, blew up against Oklahoma in the Rose Bowl. 181 yards and a touchdown. He looks like a very electric player. And the reason why I think the Patriots might have reached on him a little bit was because I think they see a lot of Deion Lewis in him as well. He is, you know, one of those electric runners, like I mentioned. He can catch the ball in the backfield when asked upon. He was a scat back before um, he, he took over workhorse duties or somewhat workhorse duties last year. So I just think that, Belichick loves his skill set and sees him as the the true replacement for Deion Lewis because when Lewis was clicking last year and two years prior before he got hurt, that offense was was light years ahead of what they were when they had a guy like LeGarrette Blunt running the ball. So um, that's why I say after the fourth pick, I don't I'd want to stay at four and and hope that one of those four guys drops to me. After that, we have some question marks. So. What do you think about Michelle? And you know, tell me about some of the next guys coming up in, in the middle of that first round of your rookie draft. Well, I would say that everything you said is probably accurate, but but I guess we might have very different opinions on uh, the maximized value of Deion Lewis at his height, even. So if right. if the ceiling for Michelle is Deion Lewis, uh, how excited can you really get? I mean, Deion, I think he's a more ta- well. I think he's a more talented Deion Lewis, and that that says a lot because I think Deion Lewis played really well in the, in the Patriots' offense. Um, you know, last year it wasn't until about week six that Lewis finally got number one RB duties. And yeah, of course, it's the Belichick offense, so you're going to lose some games here where he's just not going to really produce. But if you you know if if you take 16 weeks of a starting running back getting 15 plus touches a game. Deion Lewis would have been right around 1,200 total yards from scrimmage and about 10 touchdowns, which, you know, that's solid high-end RB2 numbers. But when's the last time a, a Belichick running back was the bell cow for 16 straight games? Antoine Smith, ever heard of him? <laughs> I have, former <laughs> Buffalo Bill. <laughs> Probably, on, you know, I mean, you're right. I mean, again, that's what happens with the Patriots. They they kind of break into, you have James Washington, who's his past specialist guy. You have... 
uh, Michelle, who could be in between the 20s, and then you have Rex Burkhead who comes in and, in the red zone. So it's very frustrating. I agree, I agree 100%. Um, so I get that concern big time. But. So what I really want to know is what is your beef with Rashad Penny? Uh, well, if you listened to the podcast last year, you knew that I was on the table screaming for Eddie Lacy being a good running back because, or a good fantasy option because all Seattle does is run the ball. The problem is, is they don't have a line. They have no offensive line whatsoever. They didn't last year. They did not address the line whatsoever in the draft or free agency. Their line sucks. So while Rashad Penny might be a good player in the right situation, he's still a small school guy, San Diego State, where you don't see a lot of success out of guys that have come out of San Diego State other than Marshall Falk, of course. And maybe if they got a lineman in the second, third, fourth round, I'd have some um, comfort in taking him fourth. But because of the line situation, I just think we're going to see a lot more of the whole three yards per carry that we saw from Rawls, from uh, from Eddie Lacy, from... God, I can't even remember all the other guys they threw in there. I mean, they went through about five or six running backs last year. Well, you can give me Penny over Chubb. Take the five spot. Perfect. He's all uh, yours. Because I would take that. I think he's a really, really good player. And they do have some offensive line problems. But uh, they like the Chris Carson phenomenon, that, that happened last year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It didn't sustain, but it happened. Right. <laughs> so he was able to run a little bit behind that line, and I think that Penny is significantly better than Chris Carson. So, well, hot the, take. I ever, I ever shot Penny at eleven. I, I know. That's why I don't understand why you don't like yeah. him so much. But I mean, I, I might bump him over Curion Johnson, who's at ten. Um, but I just think that I just don't trust that. I don't trust that line, and I like the long term outlook of Nick Chubb a little bit more. Reason being, I know they signed uh, the Browns signed Carlos Hyde. However, I think that they can get out of the contract after this year. So potentially you could see, and I know where this is crazy that we're talking about cutting Carlos Hyde and he hasn't even played it down yet for the Browns. Could be Ben Tate 2.0 all over again. Uh, but I actually like Royce Freeman more than Rashad Penny as well. I have him as my sixth uh, sixth player off the off the board. I actually have six running backs in a row to start the draft, which, you know, I thought the running back was a dying breed, but apparently not because uh, I, I loved Royce Freeman going to the Broncos. C.J. Anderson's been cut. Devontae Booker, you know, I think we've seen what he's all about. You know, I, I had high hopes for him two years ago. Had hopes from last year, and it just never really panned out. So I like Royce Freeman to, to get a starting job out the gate, too. I do like him as well. Um, but I think I think you hit right on something I wanted to talk about, which is are we overvaluing – has the pendulum swung back to overvaluing running backs in this rookie draft? Ridley, Moore, and even Kirk, to me, are yeah. top – top rookie picks that should probably be in or above guys like Michelle and, um, and those guys and Penny and, and Freeman and those guys. Um, they've got major talent, major opportunity. Uh, so, so putting them down in the eight, nine, 10, uh, bucket, I feel like we're, we might be overvaluing RBs, particularly in areas where we know there's going to be a, a potential sharing of the duties. Like, uh, for example, we talked about Michelle. Yeah, he's a great player, but we know what Belichick does with running backs. You look at Denver, uh, they're probably going to share carries. Uh, so we're putting those guys ahead of guys who are probably about to be really strong wide receiver one or wide receiver twos for their teams. Uh, so 
I'm wondering about that. I, I could see that. I think that we've seen a lot of success from running backs in the past two years, uh, three years actually, rookie running backs. And we haven't seen that same initial success from the wide receivers. So I think, yeah, that there is a pendulum going more towards the running backs because the longevity might not be there. But if you took Corey Davis number one overall last year, I'm not saying it's not going to work out for you, but you missed out on Leonard Fournette, um, Christian McCaffrey. Uh, who else am I forgetting here? Kamara, who you wouldn't have taken, you know, top four anyways, but you're, you're missing out on a ton of RB1s that could have, you know, been the, the anchor to your squad. Now, let's see where, where their career goes. This is the NFL. I mean, Doug Martin and Trent Richardson were once top four uh, picks in, in startup drafts. So the, that position changes frequently, but um, I think that initial success can be um, – you know, pretty pretty important when when making those picks. Yeah. Now, at the same time, though, you wind up with guys like Dante Foreman going significantly true. ahead of like Cooper true. Cup or you know guys like that. So yeah, enough with Cooper Cup. Enough with Cooper <laughs> Cup. Okay. Well, but to your point, so I I, I know what you're saying, and I hear you 100. percent The reason why I have some of these wide receivers a little bit lower. So for those who haven't read the article yet, which you guys are assholes if you haven't, this is a fantastic article. Um, I have DJ Moore 7, Cortland Sutton 8, Calvin Ridley 9. And I have I have you know, rationale behind all of it. DJ Moore 7 to the Panthers, the reason being, yeah, I think he can be the number one guy. Maybe this year, you know, Funch has stepped up a little bit. Greg Olson will be back for a couple more years. However, I just don't trust Cam Newton. And... He, I mean, Kelvin Benjamin was so successful with him because he's a big-bodied receiver and he can get up and go get those balls that are, you know, six inches over a normal receiver's hands because he's got that big wingspan. Can DJ Moore be that guy there? I, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. But he, Cam Newton and I, you know, I, I traded him in our Dynasty League and it felt so good because – I can't tell you how many times they mother effed him when he would just just miss a wide open receiver uh, because he has the accuracy of Josh Allen. Um, Calvin oh, Ridley. Wow. Wow. Oh yeah. My issue with Calvin Ridley is if you saw what the lush Steve Sar- Sarkeesian did with that Atlanta Falcons offense last year, you 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 want to vomit that Calvin Ridley is being wasted on on the Falcons because they went from being the top offense in the league back the year they lost the Super Bowl to the Patriots, to last year they were just pedestrian. And they were so boring to watch. They were so predictable. It just was gross. Now, you're also going to lose – Calvin Ridley's going to lose about 10 to 12 targets a game to Julio Jones. Mohamed Sanu, who I don't think is very good, is still going to be getting about 68 targets. So Julio's not going anywhere. Sanu's probably gone after a year or two. So maybe Calvin Ridley can step up, but – how much is there for Calvin Ridley to get when they got uh, anemic offense in Atlanta right now? Well, I have to make an assumption that that offense is going to take a step forward. Uh, they have Matt Ryan. They went to the Super Bowl the year before. Uh, there's going to be more there. They've got great running game. They've got talented weapons. They're, they can't possibly trot out guys like uh, Coleman, Julio Jones, Ridley, uh Freeman, they can't trot all those guys out with Matt Ryan and have a below-average offense. It just can't yeah. happen. So if it starts off that way, they're going to fire somebody, they're going to hire somebody. There's no way that for the long run that that's going to be a pedestrian offense. And Ridley, 
probably the best receiver in the draft goes into that offense with a with a strong quarterback. He's definitely in a plus quarterback, obviously. You know, Matt Ryan is, a, I'd say, in the top ten. Yeah. So, I see what you're saying. I mean, I think that once, I guess it was such a f- sour taste in my mouth just watching Sarkeesian blow yeah, up that fair. team last year. Um, that, that did discount Ridley a little bit. But first-round pick, goes to Atlanta, dome team, plays in the NFC South. Not a lot of great defenses there, um, you know, though uh, New Orleans has stepped up. But, yeah, I mean, he, he's definitely a guy that could rise up in my rankings within the next few months for sure. And Kirk, uh, I mean, there isn't that much in front of him on the depth chart. Right. And I, I had that... trouble with Kirk. I had him at 12. Um, where would you have him? Would you have him right in, like, the 7-8 mix? I, I have him right around 9, yeah, 8 or 9. Okay. Um, but but the, that's, I guess that's the thing. So it's hard to argue it because, to me, everything from, say, 5 or 6 down to 11 is all the right. same. It's all the same. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's, it's like I said, after 4, you know, you can – and I feel like we have this every year. I think last year at the time of the draft, it was after 6 with O.J. Howard. After him – just trade out because all the value is similar. Well, Alvin Kamara was there, so um, I think he went like eight or nine usually. So you never really know who's going who's gonna to come out of nowhere. But in this draft, perceived initial value, right. After four, four I'd say like to like 12 is kind of just up in the air. I, uh, but, I love the second round of this draft, the rookie yeah? draft. Okay. I think well let's it, we'll get we'll get there in a second. Let's get let's let's talk about two okay. more guys real quick and let's talk second round because okay. I want to know what your thoughts are on Cortland Sutton going to Denver. Well, I thought that first of all I thought that Denver had an incredible draft. I agree. Uh, yep. To me either the best or the second best draft that I saw. Um, they added tons of talent including Sutton. Um, and I have Case Keenum as a big winner of the draft. So, yeah. Um, so I like the landing spot. It's crowded, I guess. Um, those guys are getting older. Demarius and Sanders are getting a little older. Um, but I'm not sure that Case Keenum is going to be throwing the ball 40, 45 times a game. Right. Uh, so where are all the targets going to go? Uh, but I think there's enough and that Sutton can break in and have some impact early. But then I'm looking more towards year two and beyond because probably one of those guys, Sanders and Thomas, won't be there forever. Um, so yeah. I, I really like the landing spot for him, uh, and I think he's got really good potential. I'm right there with you. Um, I think Demarius, he's going to be 31. Emmanuel Sanders, 32. We saw Sanders really take a step back last year with that injury. It took him a while to come back. I think he's probably got another year with Denver, then he'll be gone. I still think Demarius will be there for a few more years. I have to take a look at his contract. Um, but, again, yeah, I mean, they're getting past their prime right now. And, and Sutton, I think it's a very good opportunity for him to kind of not take a redshirt year by any means, but not be relied upon as the number one receiver um, in an offense. Could only help his um, growth as a receiver. You know, he won't be seeing all the number one cornerback coverage, which is good for him. Um, he'll he'll you know go against a slot guy or something. Uh, so I, I love that landing spot for Sutton too. Uh, I think that you're right. You know, year two, year three is where we'll really see him thrive. And it might be one of those things where if you have the he, he'll be discounted a little bit on draft day. But if you're a, a playoff team or a fringe playoff team, 
you might be able to get him in the mid to late first round, which is fantastic for you because it's only going to help your squad if you were pretty strong the year before um, and you don't need this rookie pick to hit in order to to take to the next level. You can wait a year or two for the player to develop. So um, lockstep on Cortland Sutton. So one of my big losers for this draft was the Detroit Lions running backs. And reason being the Patriots traded second-round pick to the Lions for Curran Johnson. Don't know if I'm saying that right whatsoever. That's how <laughs> I'm going to say it. Um, but, you know, they signed LeGarrette Blunt. Amir Abdullah is obviously there, but I think pretty sure he'll be cut in camp. Theo Riddick will still probably be the pass-catching guy, but it's still a crowded backfield. So, you know, Dwayne Washington flashed at times. Zach Zenner. All these names that we've seen the past three, four years, because mainly because Amir Abdullah has been been hurt, so they just are throwing guys in to see what will stick. Ken Johnson finally end the drought of piss-poor running backs in Detroit ever since they lost Barry Sanders? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he might have some some uh, some uh, highlights here and there, but this is a crowded mess of a backfield and a team that hasn't been able to run the ball successfully, consistently in as long as I can remember. So it's hard for me to look at this pick and say this is the guy that's going to do it, particularly when you've got other guys that they brought in. Like you said, uh, you got – LeGarrette Blunt coming in, he's going to get carries. Yeah, uh, you got Theo Riddick there; he's going to catch passes. Um, and there's only so much to go around, kind of like some of the other situations we're talking about. So, is he going to get playing time? Is he going to get touches? Yes. Is it going to be anything significant enough for us to be that excited about him? I am very skeptical of that. Okay. So, I mean, they do have. Um... Blunt signed to, signed to a one-year deal. So next year, if it all works out with Johnson, maybe he'll be the number one guy. Theo Riddick, I'm not sure about his contract status, but I'm pretty sure he's he's almost up, if not up after this year. So, again, it might be see, might see a changing of the guard. So if, if Johnson is successful in Detroit, it could mean uh, future success, uh, future fantasy production. But, you know, this year, if you're playing redraft, I don't, other than barring any injuries, I don't see Johnson as really being an option. But... Who are so, okay? So you mentioned second round. Uh, you really like the second round of this draft. So we're getting into you know the 13, 14, 15th pick here. Who are some of the guys that you're targeting early, early on in the second round? I am uh, very high on Anthony Miller. Okay. So I'm looking at him, uh, and he may rise as we get going. I love what the Bears have been doing. Yeah. Um, I've almost talked myself into Mitch Trubisky now, which I never thought I would do. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm looking at him. I think he's an undervalued player. I think that uh, he he could be, should be worth first round uh, dynasty rookie draft spot. So I love him. And I, I like Gallup. I know that uh, there's been some discussion around there that he's going to be overvalued. Yep. Um, but to me, he was a talented player coming in. And he's got nothing but opportunity because the Cowboys have done nothing to add yeah. anybody besides him. Alan Hearns. <laughs> so I like Gallup. I like Miller. And then I actually like Pettis in San Francisco. Okay. So those so, three guys. And then actually I like a guy along with those wow. three who you didn't even list in your rankings. What? And I'd like to know what happened. And let's talk about it. But uh, And not just because I love his name, but Equanimous St. Brown. Well, a- does not make your list, and who's in his way in Green Bay for the third spot? 
Well, Equanimous was drafted in the seventh round, and this was after the list that's published to negpodcast.com was after the third round. You're late. Which, well, yeah, I know. I've been doing other stuff. Um, <laughs> publishing articles about, about the Patriots and Mark Davis Bryant. Um, no, well, Aquanimous, it's funny. I actually texted our, our buddy Reggie, and I asked him, like, why the hell is Equanimous dropping so far? What's going on with him? He's a big Notre Dame guy. And he mentioned that uh, you know he had a bad season last year because uh, poor quarterback play in Notre Dame, and so I get that. You know, obviously a receiver is can be highly impacted directly by the quarterback play, but he had a pretty good year two years ago. And if you play Devi fantasy leagues where you're able to draft college guys, it's pretty wild. Um, Equanimous was like a second round pick last year in Devi leagues, which includes the uh, the actual NFL rookies, too. So, um, huge shock that he dropped that far, but great landing spot. I actually have him as one of my winners in the draft because you're right. I mean, Devontae Adams is there. Randall Cobb is there who hasn't been very good. And then there's not a lot in front of him. So, I love that spot for him. He's definitely in... You know, once we definitely once we start taking a look at our top twenty-five, top fifty of all the guys drafted, including undrafted free agents, I definitely see him in my probably my top twenty-five, um, and we'll be releasing that you know on the, on the blog here soon uh, once we get all, all of our rankings in order. But uh, to, to your point about Anthony Miller, I like his spot as well. Um, you know, the Bears are totally revamping that that wide receiver group. Uh, they lost Cameron Meredith, who was injured. Uh, Kevin White's still technically on the team. And they signed Allen Robinson to be the Batman to uh, Anthony Miller's Robin, I'd say. So I, I like that fit, too. Um, now, with Michael Gallup, and I tweeted out that Michael Gallup feels like he's he's this year's version of Kenny Galladay. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but Galladay was going towards the end of the first round after a couple preseason games. Can, can Michael Gallup have that same production in Dallas? I mean, you're, you're a Dak Prescott owner. Are, are, are you confident that, that, that Gallup can be a number one receiver for Dak? Well, no, but both of those things don't need to be true. So yeah. Dak is a loser uh, from this weekend, <laughs> I would say. The yes. Cowboys did nothing, literally nothing, to help him out. They give away Dez. Uh, Witten retires on, on the eve of the draft or whatever it was, and they do nothing to replace either guy. Unexpectedly, other, too. Other than Gallup. Uh, yeah. So Gallup, no, I don't think he's going to be a stud wide receiver one for the Cowboys, but I don't think he needs to be. I think he's a good player who would probably make a good wide receiver two at some point, but in the short term, he's their only option. I mean, they got yeah. Hearns, I guess, but so they have a couple other options, but he's going to get plenty of t- Plenty of opportunity, I guess, is what I'm saying. And I think yep. he's a talented guy who's going to get opportunity. And if you combine that, uh, you could get some early return from a guy just knowing that maybe his long-term ceiling isn't going to be, you know, wide receiver one status. Right. No, I mean, I agree. I can see that. Um, I just I just, I just, just have a feeling he's just going to – all of a sudden people are going to be talking you this know, guy up like he's the next Jerry Rice. Well – Wow, we jumped from Kenny Galladay to Jerry Rice. Wow. <laughs> wow. We're really good. At really a time, <laughs> at a time, the train was going for Kenny Galladay last year, and it was obnoxious. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. But Galladay actually had some dudes in front of him. Uh, so you could at least pump the brakes and say, okay, well, there's only so many targets. True, true. Gallup doesn't really have that. Um, you got Hearns and pretty much nothing, unless they're going to 
just run Zeke 50 times a game and never throw the ball, which is possible. Yeah, yeah. Not good for um, my Dak shares, though. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why we're talking uh, trading for for Ben Roethlisberger. We'll, yeah. we'll talk offline about that, or maybe maybe one of our or one of our next podcasts will just be us uh, arguing about uh, different trade offers towards each other. That, oh, that's that'd be great! Be great radio. Great I got to get my trade calculator ready. <laughs> <laughs> how about uh, how about the quarterbacks though? So how about them? You know, no dynasty fantasy. Devalues the quarterback more than any other position. Any other, any other position, <laughs> yes. So you're looking at all four of these guys uh, who went in the top ten, who should be available mid to late second round of a rookie yep. draft. Yeah. Um, and I think they all have question marks for sure, but I think they all have pretty interesting potential as well. Sure. They're all going to see the field in the next two probably this year, at least next year, uh, as the potential quarterback of the future for their franchises. Yep. Well, you'll, so, you'll hate me for this, but I have <laughs> I have Josh Allen just ahead of Lamar Jackson and Mason Rudolph. <laughs> yeah. Wow, Mason Rudolph. Wow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I, think, I actually think that's fair. I don't hate you for it because, you know, <laughs> I'm not a huge Josh Allen fan myself, so yeah. I'm not – pushing for Josh Allen. I don't, I'm not quite where all of you guys are that he's the worst prospect to come out since I can't even think of a worst prospect, but <laughs> <laughs> I think he's got some tools. He could be, he could be decent, but the bills haven't done much to put a ton of talent around him. If he's not going to play this year, if he plays next year, uh, is shady still even going to be there? I don't even know. Right. And who are the receivers that they're surrounding him with? There aren't any Charles clay, is not going to probably be there much longer either. So I don't know what he's going to have to work with. So I, I would actually agree with that. He's probably, <laughs> he should, probably should be slotted behind Lamar Jackson. You know what this is? This is the second coming and this is great. Cause it's all coming full circle for you. Great song, by the way. Um, this is Drew Bledsoe all over again. Whoa. You know, when Bled- yeah. When Bledsoe was a rookie in 92, he had nobody whatsoever and he got the crap kicked out of him. And for to 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 go behind the curtain a little bit here, uh, Steve Butler, as a Buffalo Bills diehard fan now, was at once a huge Patriots fan to the point where his AOL screen name was Patsaholic, solely because of Drew Bledsoe. So this is Drew Bledsoe all over again. Rocket arm, not the best to get out of the way when um, you know facing pressure. Um, and, and by saying Drew Bledsoe all over again, I'm, I'm not saying it in a good way. This is like a poor man's Drew Bledsoe. Well, that's where, that's your first mistake. So <laughs> if, if Josh Allen is Drew Bledsoe, this will have been a great draft for the Bills. Right. Poor man's Drew Bledsoe. Okay. Because uh, <laughs> you're basically saying Hall of Fame status, greatest quarterback. Hall of Fame <laughs> status? Greatest quarterback of all time. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> should That's a whole separate pot of whether or not Drew Bledsoe should be in the Hall of Fame because he oh. should. It's pretty quick. The answer is no. No, he should. Take a look at uh, at all the stats. You love stats. Uh, analytics. You look nerd. at the stats. <laughs> Anyways, um, locker. Keep it up. But he should definitely be. I agree with you. He should be low. But Baker Mayfield. Even though I don't really like Baker Mayfield, and I think the Browns screwed that up. Um, he's certainly got some talent. And he's going to have plenty of opportunity. So that is a really intriguing rookie quarterback pick. And Josh Rosen, to me, is a really intriguing one because he is yep. definitely seeing the field. 
Yeah. Uh, and oh, he's yeah. going to have David Johnson, Larry Fitzgerald, Kirk. He's going to have some guys around him, and he's a really good thrower. So he might be a prick, but he can throw the <laughs> he can throw the ball. So Rosen, Mayfield, I'm interested in those guys. All right, over under on uh, games until Baker Mayfield takes over for Tyrod Taylor. Ooh. I'm going later than everybody else. Okay. So uh, like week 10? I think the Browns could actually win some games oh. with, with Tyrod. Yeah. Uh, actually, we on this pod, I talked about how Tyrod could have a really good season. Um, yeah. So let's say the Browns win six games this year. Uh, they're probably not going to Baker until, I don't know, week 12? Yeah. Uh, the line set at two and a half. Over or under until uh, Sam Bradford gets hurt and Josh Rosen takes over? Ooh. <laughs> I'm going to go with – I'm going to go with over, but not much over. Okay, okay. <laughs> game four. It's going to happen game four. There you go. Final question over under. Setting the line at five and a half. Weeks until Sam Darnold gets his first game action, either because Josh McCown has – Died on the field, um, oh, it's or he, he just he just got pulled because he threw his fifth interception. Yeah, it's under. <laughs> Darnold's going to be starting very soon. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they they're not locked into McCown long term whatsoever. I got to say, with, with Darnold, so to go back to your point about Rosen, uh, you're right. He has some weapons around him, um, even some lesser than wide receivers. I know John Brown's gone, but they have the you know I think JJ Nelson, Jaron Brown, guys who have flashed in the past. Uh, so I like his opportunity. A little bit more than the the Sam Darnold, who has nobody other than Terrell Pryor and Robbie Anderson and Ardarius Stewart at wide receiver right now. Um, and ba- Baker's my number one too, and not necessarily because I expect him to. If I'm taking one of these quarterbacks, I'm not expecting any sort of uh, fantasy stardom from this year. Uh, with, with in Mayfield's case. He's got Jarvis Landry, David Njoku, Carlos Hyde, Duke Johnson, Nick Chubb locked into to long-term deals. Josh Gordon, Corey Coleman, you know, it's still up in the air what their future is with the team. But and still the Browns, the Browns have a great offensive line. Their defense is getting better. It's, it's crazy to say that, you know, we're, we're, the, we're the non-Browns homers on this podcast. And it's crazy to say, yeah, I have faith in the Cleveland Browns being good. But I mean, they're doing everything right right now, and um, it, it's kind of it's actually kind of fun to watch to see the team go from, you know, literally imploding on itself they're to doing, potentially. They're being doing good. everything right, so you like their yes. draft. I do, oh, I wow. do. Um, I felt that you know, and the the you know, Farky, Rue, Kovac, uh, Sean, Monday Night Money Man, they'll talk more about this. But I felt like while I, I definitely wanted Bradley Chubb for them at four, you know, they already have a pretty strong defensive line. And they have Miles Garrett. They have that Ozgaba. I can't say the guy's name. The D tackle. Um, so they're solid. And they had nothing in the secondary whatsoever. So so getting getting Denzel Ward, I think, was a good move for him. Um, you know, I, I mean, we'll see how it all plans out. But I, I think that it's it's a good start. And I've I've been on the Monday Night Money train too. Maybe I was just convinced by his twenty minute uh, ramblings on pen and paper that Baker Mayfield's the guy to go. The the, the guy to win in Cleveland. But Baker was my number one quarterback coming out in the draft, and uh, I think he's he's got enough. He's got the cockiness and he's got the swag, but he toes the line with it. And I think that the guys do, um, you know, kind of 
congregate to him because I think he is a natural-born leader, whereas that's an issue with Rosen. Rosen seems like an uptight prick, um, and Darnold just has the biggest fat face ever, so I, I, don't, I don't trust people <laughs> with fat faces. Um, to go to a different position real quick, and I'm not a tight end fan when it comes to rookies. Very rarely do you see a rookie tight end play as a fantasy starter. But I think, um, and I'm going to butcher his name, I don't care, but I think Mike Jasicki from Penn State got drafted by the Dolphins. He has potential to be the leading receiver for the Dolphins next year. I mean, there's not a lot around him. He could be a back-end tight end one um, in the mold of Evan Ingram last year. What are your thoughts on him? First of all, he's the only tight end not drafted by the Ravens this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are they doing drafting so many tight ends? I don't but know. Uh, no, I think he's he's a good player, uh, and he's and again, it's all about opportunity. He's going to have opportunity. My questions are around how good that offense is going to be. I'm I'm not not good thinking it's answer be not good good at all. Um, so I don't know how good he's going to be. I he's probably a clear top rookie tight end for this year, but uh, in last year's draft, he he definitely wouldn't have been number one or number two or maybe even number three. So uh, wow. I'm trying to put his value in context there. God, you love O.J. Howard. You love O.J. You love him. He's a good player. <laughs> He's going to be yours soon. <laughs> not, not those offers you're giving me. <laughs> Are you uh-huh. thinking Mike Gesicki is better than O.J. Howard? I don't know, to no. be honest. All I know is that he's in a better position right now because O.J. Howard has Cameron Brate signed to a five-year deal with him for the next you know, four years we'll be playing ah. together. But I will say this for the Dolphins. They had a winner, a big winner in the draft. And I say I think Kenyon Drake got very lucky that the, uh, the Dolphins didn't mess it up and take a running back. I think that if you saw Drake's season last year, the second half of the year, after they traded Jay Ajay, um, Ajayi, Drake was a top 10 running back week in, week out, and the guy really flashed. So I think it'll be good to see what he can do next year in the the lead dog role. I mean, they brought Frank Gore in, but I have a hard time seeing Gore really do anything more than cash a paycheck at this point in his career. So um, are there any other other winners that you thought of from this draft um, that, you know, based on guys not getting drafted to those positions? The winners from the draft? I had – my main one was Case Keenum. I think, yeah. I think he was a winner. Um, he already had a pretty good landing spot. They added a lot of talent around him. I think they got, uh, and first of all, by adding Chubb, the defense got better, yeah, uh, a lot better. And by having a strong defense, it's only better for him. And then you add the receiver, the running back, actually two receivers, because I think didn't they draft uh, Deshaun Hamilton? Well. They did, and I forgot. I think I actually forgot to put that in. And I actually so, think my he, bad. he's a potentially good player as well. So I like what they did, and I think he's a winner. I think you're a winner. I had a lot more losers than winners written down. You <laughs> so you're pretty negative, huh? And all of them are on my fantasy team. <laughs> Dak Prescott, loser. Shady McCoy, oh. loser. Samaje oh. Perrine, loser. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love Not it. Good. Not good. I had um, I had Alex Collins as a winner for this draft. Yeah. I thought that um, you know there's something about him when he was in Seattle. I was like I feel like this guy is going to be good. And I had no rationale behind it. And then when he got picked up by the Ravens and all the injuries happened in Baltimore, uh, he got his chance and he, he played pretty well last year as a solid free agent pickup. I don't expect him to do much more than score ten to twelve points a game. You know you're, you're happy if he scores a touchdown, but uh, the Ravens. Uh, 
you're right. I mean, they took a million tight ends. I still think that the the tight end they got in the third round, um, Mark Andrews, Andrews, is actually better than than Hayden Hurst, um, who they got in the first round. But uh, at least from a fantasy standpoint. But uh, you know, Allen. I'm not. I'm sorry, not Allen. Um, Collins. Jesus Christ, had a brain fart right there. Alex Collins. I think. It, yeah, there you go. I think Alex Collins still should be the bell cow next year. Uh, you know, Bernard Pierce got hurt, then got before av- he got hurt after he got suspended. Buck Allen sucks. Um, Terrence what, West is back to what he was. So Collins should happened, be the, the clear cut guy. Whatever there. happened to Kenneth Dixon? I'm sorry, not not Bernard Pierce. It's Kenneth Dixon that got that oh, got okay. injured. He got popped for PEDs, missed oh. four games, and then got then got injured. So. Um, got those uh, lackluster running backs confused. Okay. But speaking of Baltimore, what's Lamar Jackson? Love I mean, it. I think it's great. It's a huge, huge culture change uh, based on the offense alone that's going to be going on in Baltimore in two years. Well, you let know, me just they, say this. This is going to be a bit of a reach, but I'm going to say it anyways. Okay. I like that. I had predicted in my things that should happen in the offseason that won't that Tyrod Taylor would go to the Ravens okay, to replace Flacco, get him out of there. And while that did not happen, this is like the next closest thing that could have happened, right? Right, right. And I love it. Flacco is on the outs for sure. Now, it's hard for them to get away from that contract that he has. Well, I think, he's, I think all of his guaranteed money is actually up after next year. Yeah. So that works probably to Lamar Jackson's development. Um, yeah, so Jackson be... sits this year, doesn't touch the field, maybe a couple gimmick plays. Yep. Next year, he sits to start the year. Flacco, they start to phase out. They start to bring Jackson in, and then Flacco's gone, and he's the man. Right, yeah. right. That's, that's I think, yeah, pretty much their their recipe for success, or at least what they want to happen. Um, you know, it's just an interesting, interesting move because for the longest time we've known the Ravens to be that smash-mouth football type where – Grind it on offense. It's not pretty football. Have a great defense. And now all of a sudden you're going to bring in an athletic guy like Lamar Jackson who fits more of the, I guess, the Vince Young type. You know, Vince Young in his prime. Uh, big big guy, fast, athletic. Uh, has some, you know, has some accuracy issues. Has some limitations as a passer now. But under Harbaugh for two years, I mean, that, I think that could be a really nice pick. A really interesting fit. So, I was definitely shocked by it. I did not expect that move to happen. I thought he'd go to a team that was more conducive to his talents. But And think about it. They didn't just pick him. They, traded, they for him. traded up for him. Yeah. They gave up a bunch. So Right. I, they're I like all in. Too. Yeah, they're all in. I and, like it, too. And I actually had the Ravens, even though I don't understand why they drafted nine tight ends, I had them <laughs> as uh, you know one of the winners of the drafts. I just want to know what's going on in Flacco's head right now, too, because, you know, you know, he's sitting there like, shit, the end is coming soon for me. And I don't know. I mean, he's not a good quarterback. That no. that contract was was god awful. And they only signed it because he won a Super Bowl. And, you know, we've heard the we've heard the talking heads on ESPN argue is, is Joe Flacco elite, you know, for hours upon hours on end. And it's it's mind numbing why people think he's a good quarterback. Yeah. And so. Maybe, and his contract, his contract's been an albatross on that team too. It's killed him. It's maybe this will bring back the handlebar mustache Flacco, though. It might. That's what made him a badass. The yeah. white trash Joe Flacco. That's what I'm hoping for. I agree. 
Um, any other thoughts on just the NFL draft, how it shook out, and, you know, impact on the fantasy scene? Uh, I really like what the Redskins did. I really like what the Giants did. I think uh, you mentioned it earlier. You kind of took one of my speaking points there. But I think Kyle Lauletta, uh I, I am on the, the bandwagon. So I think he could be uh, Manning's replacement. So I like what they did there. Uh, I kind of don't understand the Steelers, I guess. One of the things I expected them to do is draft a running back. Yeah. Uh, they did not do that. So what does that mean for Le'Veon Bell? I guess it means they're probably planning on paying him a lot of money next year. Or they got they got James Conner. Is that his name? Yeah, yeah James Conner. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and to, to your point about uh, Pittsburgh, that was one thing I was going to bring up too. I mean, they brought in Mason Rudolph, who was rumored to be you know an early second-round pick. Got him in the third round. He could be the next Roethlisberger. I mean, again, take some time in Tomlin's offense to learn the position a little bit, sit behind Big Ben. It's not like Roethlisberger is going to be there for the next 10 years. Um, they also drafted James Washington in the second round after trading Martavius Bryant for a third-round pick. And that that move kind of confused me and yeah. disappointed me as well because without Martavis there, and like I mentioned before, I'm a Martavis guy. I think the guy's super talented. I have him in both our fantasy leagues we're in together, Steve. You know, Martavis – took the targets away from Juju, and Juju took the targets away from Martavis. So now you're going to see the same exact thing with James Washington if he gets on the playing field his rookie year. And on yeah. top of that, Le'Veon Bell is going to get 10 targets as well. So I thought that was a dumb move by them. I agree. They sure looked at a running back, and there were tons of running backs available uh, when they took Washington. So it, it seemed like a bad move by them. And they didn't take a linebacker, which I know we're talking about offensive players and fantasy, but uh, they never replaced Shazier. And so did, did they wait? Uh, they took I a feel safety. Like, I thought they did because when they had Shazier come out and uh, announce the pick, I'm like, this is real awkward because this guy no. is. So no? they picked they picked a safety, and actually it was uh, Ed, Tremaine Edmonds that the Bills drafted. It was his brother, Terrell well, Edmonds, right? Yeah, safety. Okay. And I, I've read rumors that they're going to make him a linebacker. Okay, but. That's quite a quite a reach in the first round to turn a safety into a linebacker. He wasn't even yep. a top three rated safety. Right. Um, yeah, you're right. Yeah, so they don't right. take a I... linebacker. They don't draft a running back to prepare for Bell. Yeah, they take Rudolph, who was supposed to be a second round guy, but he's dropped all the way to the third, late third round, right? And basically, they drafted a quarterback last year at the same spot with uh, Dobbs. So right. I'm, not, I'm right. not really sure what they're doing. Yeah, well, that's fine. That, that's that's better for us. <laughs> Much better for us. So, yeah. um, Great. All right, well, hey, I got nothing else to talk about for this draft. I think we covered just about everything we wanted to cover. Um, I know, like you, I'm excited uh, to, to think about <laughs> – your face was hilarious there. <laughs> Um, I want to see uh, Equanimous in the in the rankings updated. Rankings. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna be. I just but like you know where do you put him? The guy dropped to the seventh round. You know it's it's it's, it's tough to he dropped to a great place, and and I'm sure we'll have plenty of conversations about that. Um, I definitely think he'll be a, a rapid riser in most rookie drink, uh, rankings. But um, you know, Steve, I'm sure you'll be giving us your uh, not only your Bills input but also your your rookie rankings. So. Uh, we'll be releasing those here on the podcast, on the, on the blog, negpodcast.com, um, within the next week or so. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. Also follow us on Twitter at Glory Podcast, on Instagram at Glory Podcast as well. 
You can find us on Facebook and SoundCloud. Just search for the Never Ending Glory podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate us five stars, tell us how awesome we are, tell us how great Steve's hot takes are. Um, you know, be sure to just let us know that we're fantastic. And whoever wants to sponsor us, we're openly taking offers. So if anybody's out there that wants to, you know, get on board with the, the biggest podcast in based out of Northeast Ohio and New England, um, we're here for the taking. Um, so with that, wonderful job, Steve Arino, as always. And I'm sure we'll be talking to the fantasy crew here soon. All right. This, was, this has been a pleasure, and uh, I can't wait to trade you O.J. Howard later. <laughs> and we'll talk. Trade talk start in three, two, one. All right, we'll talk to you guys later.